you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Again, this story is from um, written and published in the late late winter of 1942, meaning around December, and was on the stands right into February 1943. Our writer is frustratingly unknown, but uh, we have all of the artwork uh, on this chapter and the others by Ed Debrotka. So, I believe without further ado, I don't think I need to introduce too much more. Let's hear the Crimson Avenger and Wing find their destiny among the stars. Page 1. The Crimson Avenger and Wing. Chapter 4. Cruel and ruthless as death itself, powerful as the brute bovine beast whose name he bears, such is Bull Corbin, who seeks a prize for which men have toiled through the centuries in vain. Murder follows murder along the brigand bully's menacing trail until success crowns his career of crime. And then the Crimson Avenger takes a hand that forces the doomed desperado to seek safety in flight to find his destiny among the stars. Storming through space, a strange ship hurtles at incredible speed from the moon to the earth. Page 2. Within the ship, Dr. Edward Grimes, its solitary passenger, guides its course. Everybody laughed at me. But all the same, the ship is a success. I'm the first human being to set foot in the moon. Me, Edward Grimes. Now, to return home and make a few changes. Above the weird mammoth caves of Kentucky, 
a stone roof gapes open at the vessel's approach, and the ship nestles gently within a vast vault. Soon I'll make another trip, a longer one this time. I'll stock the ship with food and everything else I need. But in the shadows of the colossal cave, Okay, this job the skull gave me is easy. This guy don't even know how to defend himself. Okay, pal, you've been to the moon. Now let's take a look at some stars. Ow! Okie dokie, these controls look complicated. The skull didn't tell me how to work it. Let me see. Uh, which button do I push first? Meanwhile, hundreds of miles away, editor Lee Travis scans a news flash. So, Corbin has been seen in Kentucky, prowling about mammoth caves. Too bad the police couldn't pick him up. He was too tricky for them. They lost his trail. Sounds like a job for me and Wing. We'd better round up Corbin before he does more damage. Hours later, in a huge airliner. I wonder what Corbin is doing in Kentucky. I've heard reports of rocket ship experiments there. Maybe Corbin tried to escape from police by going to the moon. Two passengers drop off at an unscheduled stop. There are many entrances to the caves below us. If Corbin hid in them, we'll never find him. Bats hide in caves. Corbin's not bats. Not yet. Yes, stranger. It's easy to get lost in Mammoth Cave. I wouldn't enter it without a guide if I were you. I don't think Bull Corbin has a guide. How does he manage not to get lost? Corbin must have a landmark. I think, Wing, we'll take a look at that place where those rocket ship experiments are being carried out. Wait until 4th of July. He'll see plenty of rockets. As the Crimson Crime Crusher and his faithful ally draw near, a baffled bandit finds himself balked by the complexities of science. No matter what I do, I can't start this ship. Lucky I didn't kill Grimes. I'll revive him and have him handle the controls for me. Well, what happened? Who are you? Never mind. You show me how to operate that ship. Or else. Very well. First, you must clear the rocket chambers. Then you switch on the rear rockets first. Okie dokie, now you're talking, buddy. Go on. But Page the lesson in four. rocket operation is rudely interrupted. More visitors? And I thought I would have perfect solitude in these caves. We just dropped in to throw the bowl. The rugged ruffian, roaring with rage, demonstrates the beastly power of his mighty muscles. Well, here's where the bull does some throwing of his own. I should have known what would happen when a bull sees red. I don't need any rockets to send you, Flying Avenger. Oops, I could use another parachute. Ooh, you're coming back for your more. Okie dokie, you and your pal are going away. A long way this time. I'll handle you alone, Bull. 
Here's where I teach you you're only a racketeer, not a rocketeer. And now, the bull's brute brawn proves helpless before skillful silence as the crimson crime crusher's fists beat out a devastating tattoo. This proves that my fist can be in four places at once, bull, and make all of them hurt. Hey, 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 hey. If I could lay my hands on you. Stop, or When I hit you this time, Bull, there's going to be a mammoth cave-in. I'll shoot. <sighs> Just when I had him on the point of a knockout. This guy Grimes is wacky. He's using the gun I hit him with to help me. I'd better get out of here before he comes to his senses. Page what are you doing? Five. If you hit him again, you'll knock him against the instrument panel and ruin the rocket ship. I can't let that happen. But this man is a dangerous murderer. The burly bandit seizes the opportunity to escape. Out in my way, buddy. He's getting away. Maybe he'll lose himself in the cave. Hours later, after a long search through gloomy tunnels. It's no use, Wing. There are hundreds of miles of tunnels in these caves. A man could hide out here for years. But Bull didn't go far from the rocket ship, Mr. Crimson. Suddenly there is the scrape of leather-shod feet against hard rock. I hear noise a few feet ahead. Maybe we find the Bull after all. If we do, we won't let him escape this time. Big footprint in the dust. Must be a Bull. Finding that is real coincidence. Coincidence? Little does the Avenger know. Maybe we'll catch the bull by surprise, Mr. Crimson. Ha! The Avenger doesn't realize I left that footprint to draw him into a trap. Just a few feet more. Suddenly there is the rending roar of exploding dynamite. The cave is exploding! No way to get out. That fixes the Avenger. Now to get the rocket ship again. And this time I'll know how to handle it. Page Moments later. Six. You again? Thanks for showing me how to handle the ship. And helping me get away from the Crimson Avenger. I came to pay you back. With this bullet... I guess this is it. The end for Ed Grimes. But now the greed for gold dangles its glittering lure before the grasping mind of the murderous gangster. The skull wants this ship, and I'm willing to turn it over to him. But I'll have to get paid. Money means nothing to the skull. I'll ask him for a million dollars. Later, the skull in his palatial retreat, receives a telegram. So, Corbin is trying to hold me up. I'll teach him that it doesn't pay. Bring my limousine. I shall use my millions to punish Corbin, not to reward him. As in the world above, day draws to a close. The skull and the hardened hoodlum meet in the caverns of eternal gloom. I've been waiting a long time for this skull. Did you bring that million dollars? 
Yes, Corbin, I brought it. The money means nothing to me, but I don't like being double-crossed. The whole million will go to those who punish you. Yeah? Those guys aren't going to live long, Skull. Page Here's seven. one guy who won't touch that million dollars. Ah! And here's another one. You may be afraid of death, Skull, but you're going to see plenty of it before I'm through. Oh. The Skull's hirelings cringe and turn back. Get him, you fools! You're four against one! They were six to one to start with. It ain't enough odds against a guy like Bull Corbin's Skull. I can finish off these four in jig time. So if you want that ship, you better hand over that dough, because nothing's going to keep me between me and you. But meanwhile... Too bad we not bring something to eat, Mr. Crimson. Wing's so hungry he could eat a horse. Don't worry about eating, Wing. We've got to get out of here or you're through with food for good. We've been here long enough to have used up plenty of oxygen, but that torch burns brightly as ever. Somehow, fresh air must be getting to us. And if there's a way for fresh air to get in, there's a way for us to get out. Hold your torch higher, Wing. Wing will hold that torch so high, like Statue of Liberty. There's the opening, Wing. There's where the air is coming from. We must climb up there very quickly, Mr. Crimson. Clambering up on the crimson-clad crime crusher's shoulders, his faithful ally works to enlarge the opening to safety. Looks like another cave upstairs. We'll have to climb into it fast, Wing, before this torch goes out and we're left in darkness. Page 8. Now to see about that rocket ship again. But it may be already too late. Corbin may have stolen it and left. Too bad for the bull if he's still here. At the rocket ship cave, the Skull and Bull Corbin have come to an agreement. Okay, Skull. I'm a reasonable man. We compromise. The ship is yours, and a half million dollars is mine. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched, please. I thought I had these fellows bottled up. We got out through the second story. Here's some more of the same stuff you got before, Corbin. Your punches don't hurt a thick guy like me, Avenger. This stalactite looks like an icicle, but it's hot stuff for you. Oh, excuse me, please. Wing mean to do like this. The Avengers' skilled fists continue to pound the massive muscle murderer into submission. You've seen a couple of explosions today. In a minute, you'll feel one on the jaw. I've got the dope. But I'm not gonna take a licking just to help the skull. Page the doubly nine. treacherous thug turns to seek his own safety. Now's my chance for a getaway. 
This small fry hoodlum has picked a bad time to practice somersaults. So long, Avenger. Too bad you can't come with me. Try the other door, Wing. I'll try, Mr. Crimson. With the roar of rockets, the ship rises into the air. Come along, Avenger. You'll get a swell ride up there on that wing. Let go, Wing, before we go up too far. Oh, no. We'll get away. And by the time we get back to the cave, the skull will be gone as well. Never mind, Wing. Bull Corbin will have to land again, and next time we'll get him. But within the racing vessel, Bull Corbin gloats at his good fortune. I've got a half million dollars. I'm rich and free. I'll land this ship, disappear, and then I'll be able to enjoy life. But as the triumphant thug pulls a control lever... The, sh the ship won't turn. Grimes must have given me the wrong directions. I, I can't get back to Earth. I'm out in space. To solitary confinement was Bull Corbin condemned, and solitary confinement is his destiny. Fated to be alone forever, he speeds on towards the stars. Once more, justice has triumphed, but meanwhile, the arch-villain has escaped. The skull remains free to use the power of his wealth and evil. We open on our splash page with the Crimson Avenger and Wing uh, clinging to some stalactites and uh, some stalagmites underneath as Bull Corbin crawls around a very futuristic looking craft that is in fact a spacecraft. And when I think spacecraft, think of what you might see in science fiction pulps of the time. Or, you know, think Flash Gord, think Buck Rogers, think Tom Swift, that sort of a thing. It's very small as uh, crafts go. It's certainly not as large as a space shuttle. It's covered in windows. It's got the big long fin tail. Very long, very narrow, very... I don't know. How shall we say it? Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright with lots of lines, lots of curves. It's actually a very stunning spacecraft. And this is probably the only time we'll really get a good look at... Uh, what the spaceship look, looks like in its entirety on this uh, opening splash page. So we are first introduced to our scientist, our brilliant scientist, Dr. Edward Grimes. Now he must be brilliant for reasons I'll probably go into here in a little bit, but first I want to talk about Grimes. Now when you do a little Google on Ed Grimes you get a pop singer that I've never heard of called Edward Grimes and seems to be one of these uh, boy band types, so I probably will not bore you with one of his songs. At first, Ed Grimes, anachronistically, of course, reminded me of Frank Grimes, 
a character in a Simpsons episode that you might uh, remember, a uh, co-worker that uh, is finally driven to insanity by Homer's antics and unprofessionalism to end up, well, killing himself. So that's sort of my inspiration when I did the voice of Ed Grimes. Well, some kind of farm animal anyway. And earlier today, I saw him asleep inside a radiation suit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? He was hanging from a coat hook. That irresponsible oaf? A man who, by all rights, should have been killed dozens of times by now? Uh, 316 times, by my count. Uh, that's the man who's in charge of our safety. It, it boggles the mind. It's best not to think about it. Hi, grimy old buddy. I'm not your buddy, Simpson. I don't like you. In fact, I hate you. Stay the hell away from me. Because from now on, we're enemies. Okay. Do I have to do anything? Oh. Oh. But more in keeping with our era here for a 1942 story, the writer, whoever this writer was, was likely inspired by a, a baseball player, Major League Baseball third baseman that played with the St. Louis Browns in 1931 and 1932. Not a very long career, not very extinguished, extinguished, distinguished. Um, Ed Grimes was born in 1905, died in 1974, and likely was just a name in a record book and probably where this writer pulled the name from. So Dr. Edward Grimes is a brilliant scientist, a sort of in that way of Reed Richards. God only knows what his uh, specialty is, but he seems to work by himself and he seems to enjoy working in a cave in Kentucky. Now here's something that I didn't know. See, comics can be educational. Sometimes they use fictional places, your Gotham cities, your metropolises and such, and sometimes they go to actual locations. And this is kind of interesting because in this formula that we're using in this edition of The Seven Soldiers, this is the only really named location. Everything seems to be some nondescript, unnamed city somewhere. But uh, here the CA and Wing are, are uh, going to hunt down uh, Ed Grimes and Bull Corbin in Mammoth Cave National Park, which is an actual national park in south-central Kentucky, encompassing portions of Mammoth Cave, pardon me, the longest cave system known in the world. The park itself consists of 52,830 acres. And for those of you not geeks into land measurement, um, that uh, comes out to, with, with 640 acres in a square mile, that works out to, that works out to an equivalent of 82 and a half square miles, which is also um, over two townships of land. That's a lawful lot. And the caves are primarily located in Edmondson County in Kentucky, with small areas extending into other counties such as Hart and Barron counties. The Green River runs through the park with a tributary called the Nolan River that feeds into the green just inside the park. Mammoth Cave has been known as a national park since July 1st, 1941. So this is uh, recently into the news at the point that we're uh, publishing this comic, so perhaps the writer 
had been to the caves recently. Um, and had been, it has become a World Heritage Site on October 27, 1981, and an International Biosphere Reserve on September 26, 1990, and a Dark Sky Park in 2021. So it's a place where you can go and uh, observe stars without any light pollution coming up from nearby towns or cities. Now I'll just read from the National Park's uh, purpose. Uh, purpose of Mammoth Cave National Park is to preserve, protect, and interpret and study the internationally recognized biological and geologic features and processes associated with the longest known cave system in the world, the park's diverse forested karst landscape, the green and Nolan rivers, and extensive evidence of human history and to provide public enjoyment, recreation, and understanding. So I'll leave it at that, and you can look that up on your own time on Wikipedia, where I have just read that uh, bit of a precis from. I'm a national park geek, uh, both the United States and uh, in here in Canada. I live very close to a couple of World Heritage Sites, Waterton Lakes and the Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump. So uh, I understand the importance of national parks. So good on uh, USNPS and... Uh, state of kentucky for recognizing this system and uh letting it go and i hope someday to get back to kentucky and i'm i'm going to travel some of these caves now back to ed grimes in his rocket well we start on page one where ed grimes has just uh done something that i don't think anybody has heard about flying to the moon yes he has quarter of a million miles in two panels or less in a jacket and tie uh, basically using only a headset, no visible oxygen system that I can see, no pressure suit, no solid rocket fuel boosters, and he turns around and within three panels he comes, comes to the moon, uh, turns around, bounces back, and lands it all right back into his little laboratory in the Mammoth Cave. Well... I hope that the writer of this didn't wake up maybe in uh, 1969 and say, boy, what a dumb thing to write. But that's okay. You know, like who knows what space travel is going to look like at that point in time in 1942. It's a thing of science fiction. It's Jules Verne. It's, like I said, Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers. And uh, it's, it's the stuff that you see in Pulps. So, who knows what a solid rocket booster is in 1941. Uh, I would imagine Werner von Braun knew, but uh, I don't think he was consulted for this comic. By the way, you're going to see some a lot of things in this story, or in this set of stories here in Leading Five, that you sit there and make you go, hmm, why doesn't Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, Imperial Japan, and the United States and Britain know about these scientific advances? But Bull Corbin can find it. Well, the skull knows about it. Who knows? Maybe the skull, you know, being the 1940s Elon Musk, has funded this, and now he's going to steal it. We just don't know. I'm extrapolating. Um... Well, Bull Corbin finds the cave, and uh, he, he's the first person to greet Ed Grimes on his mar marvelous achievement uh, by whacking him on the head with his the butt of his gun. And 
Bull gets in there and tries to figure out how to drive it. Meanwhile, Lee Travis and Wing read about in his own paper, The Post, all about uh, the escape of Bull Corbin and that they have tracked, the police at least, have tracked him to the Mammoth Caves. So, climbing into their skin-tight, uh, color-coordinated red and yellow costumes, Crimson and Avenger Wing head out for to Kentucky from wherever it is they live, I assume New York City. By, this is the second time we've seen CA and Wing do this. Going on public transit. Yes, they've bought a couple of seats on an aircraft. Which at that time, of course, are prop aircraft. I assume like your TWA or Pan Ams that are crisscrossing the country. Oh yeah, they're right in there. Uh, got a seat uh, with a, another guy reading a newspaper and a what they would have called a stewardess at that point in time. They now call them flight attendants. Now, upon reaching their destination, the Crimson Avenger and Wing do not return their tray tables. They do not put on fasten their seat belts. They do not wait for the aircraft to come to an, a full stop. They DB Cooper it. They go out the door in a couple of parachutes. Well, I'm glad that the 1940s uh, airlines could offer that service to CA and Wing. But at any rate, they uh, managed to parachute right into the caves. Hey, after seeing grimy spacecraft, anything's possible. Speaking of grimy, he has returned to the uh, world of consciousness and meets his tormentor, Bull Corbin, and... Uh, Decides to show uh, Bull how his, his craft works. Ah, he's proud of it. Shows him all the buttons and uh, all of the bells and whistles. And how to fly this aircraft. What a nice guy, Eddie. When the CA and wings show up, Ed's not very uh, welcoming either. Bull, of course. Uh, we go into Fighty McFightenstein. Which Ed ends by pulling his own gun. Now, the best part about Bull Corbin, uh, I could believe he's a tough guy, you know, probably prison-hardened. Uh, you know, looks like probably uh, could have been a pug pugilist in the uh, in the bare-knuckle era of the 20s and 30s. Uh, wears one of those nice po'boy caps that is all the rage these days. And he never seems to drop his pipe. He keeps on smoking his uh, pipe. Now, Bull's a slippery one. He gets away out of the cave. And he decides that uh, now that he's found the craft and that he knows how to operate it, he's going to hold it for ransom. And who is he going to extort it to? None other than the guy who got him out of prison in the first place, the Skull. Once again, we see the Skull inside one of the individual soldiers' chapters. We saw him in the Vigilante chapter, but he was not around in the Star-Spangled Kid chapter, not even at the end. But he's back. Uh, he gets this notice of extortion. He drives to Mammoth Caves from wherever he is. I'm assuming some time has passed. With a limousine full of goons. The Skull meets Bull Corbin's offer with a promise for the, the goons to take him out. Uh, Bull is much cagier than to be taken out by four or five hired henchmen. And the skull backs off, and they come to an agreement that Corbin will take a half a million dollars. What a nice guy. 
I'm glad that, I'm glad to see that we, we could resolve this. Meanwhile, the Crimson Avenger and Wing are wandering the Mammoth Caves, looking for Bull, and when they realize uh, scientifically, kind of shades of the Star Spangled Kid episode, that their flares have not stopped burning, and that there is ample air. They manage to find an outlet that takes them to another part of the cave that connects them right back to where they started from, which is the parking lot of the spaceship, which Bull and the Skull have already reached. Fighting McFightenstein again. Uh, Wing's doing a pretty good job in here, although I really get bugged by this pigeon Chinese that English that they uh, seem to keep using in these stories. Uh, and you'll notice that I've adjusted a lot of that in my reading. I don't mind accents, but I hate it when characters based on their ethnicity are made to look dumb. And Wing is anything but dumb. Meanwhile, Bull Corbin has his money, and he has access to the rocket ship. So he's doing a double cross once again on the skull. He pushes all the necessary buttons, and despite the best efforts of Crimson Avenger and Wing, who realize that uh, they're going to go into the atmosphere really quickly, and they jump off leaving Bull to himself. Unfortunately, in all the melees, Bull has killed Ed Grimes. And once he has blasted off into the stratosphere, Bull realizes he can't turn the ship. So there he is with his million dollars and nowhere to go, but out into outer space. Can't turn it around. Once again, another one of these ironic endings for a man who was supposed to have been kept in a solitary isolation for the rest of his life, well, he is in solitary isolation. And at this point in time, by the DC or National Comics rules of interstellar space travel, who knows how long he's going to live out there with this rocket blasting into the stars. And remember, this is a point in time when we recently have seen the Justice Society shanghaied into space and uh, Nazis using rocket technology to send them to different planets. So Earth 2, as we have always said, is just a little different and they seem to be a little more advanced in as far as interstellar space travel. So once again I'm reading uh, some, some feedback here from a portion of our leading comics number four coverage. Uh, from Dave McElvaney. Greetings, Ranger Gord. I enjoyed this chapter featuring the Crimson Avenger and Wing, two of the seven, or eight, Soldiers of Victory. I have probably read the least of, and I'm assuming Dave means he hasn't uh, read a lot of Crimson Avenger stories. I'm glad you didn't read, as written, Wing's accent, because that really would be cringy nowadays and really wouldn't advance the story anyway. Uh, that's correct, and it's, uh, as I've said before, it's just too bad that uh, as we got into the Crimson Avenger skin-tight costume era, that they didn't write Wing as he was written back in the cloak and, and hat era of Crimson Avenger when he was uh, essentially being the Kato chauffeur to wing because they weren't doing that it just seemed to have gotten gotten worse and worse over the years and i don't know whether it's wartime or whatever it, it's just they seem to want to play up the ethnic 
ethnicity of wing by putting that terrible, uh, you know, pigeon accent in. At any rate, let's go back to the letter. I enjoyed the twist of Mickey Gordon's super hearing giving him a greater appreciation of music, leading to a romantic interest in Alice. And I especially liked that he decided to go straight. I wonder if that sort of thing had happened or might happen to the other sense-enhanced crooks in the upcoming chapters. I guess I'll find out soon. And I guess I'll just jump in there and says, no, it did not. And that's why I think the formula of the, uh, the, the Fox formula of dividing all of the heroes with their villains and then just sort of being defeated or showing up later, it's uh, starting to be broken and... Uh, and the, the Mickey Gordon part in there uh, and his breaking with the Sense Master was a, actually a big part of the plot. Uh, since music played an important role in this story, back to Dave's letter, sorry, I certainly applaud your musical choices here, particularly the Beethoven piece for Alice. Good choice. Yeah, and the best part is that uh, Beethoven's not going to send me any letters. Thanks as always. Live long and prosper, Dave McElveney. Well, thank you, Dave, and uh, as I've said before, we will continue to put Dave's letters on these chapters uh, along with um, their particular heroes in this Leading Comics coverage. So that's going to be it for this edition, Episode 49, Leading Comics 5, Part 4 of 7. Of course, that means that what could be coming up next? Perhaps Part 5 of 7. And Sir Justin, the Shining Knight, and the return of himself and his magnificent steed, Winged Victory, in the battle against a supervillain known as Matt Greeter. Sounds ominous. We'll see you then, folks. Ta-da! <laughs>